Hello, and welcome to the Cynical Podcast, where we take deep dives into the shallow waters of today's blockbuster movies, star-studded films, and most hype popcorn flicks. We're your hosts, Clacia, Will, and Malika, and today we're discussing Ridley Scott's latest film, The Last Duel. Now take off your pants. So, this is your spoiler warning. We're going to get heavy into the plot details of the movie. Obviously, it's based on true events, so you could easily look this up. But if you want to go and unspoil, then turn back now. Spoilers lie ahead. Thank you, Darth Will. And don't read the book yet. (laughs) Yeah, don't read the book. So, here is a plot summary according to Letterboxd. King Charles VI declares that knight Jean de Carouge settle his dispute with his squire by challenging him to a duel. Okay, I feel like this is the second time in a row now where the letterbox plot summary is all kinds of vague and doesn't seem like it actually evokes what the movie's really about. I don't know if they write their own. It's very strange, but... uh, It's hardly even a summary. It's not a summary. (laughs) First of all, the first character mentioned is someone that's barely in the movie. So, like, what is that about? (laughs) Um, Right, right. Regardless, this is a story that is actually super complex, very interesting, and it is a lot more than just a duel. Uh, So, Will, Malika, what were your first impressions? My first impression was kind of a hard one to put into words because I liked it more as the movie went on. But there are a lot of choices in the writing and in the direction that I wasn't a huge fan of. But the movie ended on such a strong note for me. The triplet story structure, I wasn't a huge fan of. But it ended on the strongest of the three chapters with Marguerite's chapter. And I really liked the ending duel. It was fun and exciting to watch. And a pretty, I guess you could say, satisfying ending for how satisfying that kind of story ending could be given the time period. So I liked the movie coming out. I was happy with it, but this movie had the opportunity to be a really, really good movie, like a five out of five movie. But some of the choices I think were lessened the impact to me. What about you, Malika? Yeah, I agree with that sentiment for me. I went into this movie fully blind like I knew just the basic facts right that this was a Matt Damon Ben Affleck reunion you know post Goodwill Hunting and that it was a you know Ridley Scott movie so I had the basic facts I knew that it was clearly about a duel and that there was this love triangle but I didn't know really more about it than that I didn't know that there's going to be this like chapter sectioning of the plot I didn't know it was going to be different perspectives so as I was going along on this movie I was like okay I didn't expect this twist didn't expect that twist I agree with you that there were some choices that that kept this movie from quite hitting its mark. You know, it's a star-studded cast. It's got a great director. It's got a lot of things going for it. The sets were beautiful. The fights were really intricate and gory and intense. And, you know, you really didn't know which way it was going to go. Though, I side note, I feel like Game of Thrones has really prepared me that you can never let your guard down in those kind of battles. So I was ready for those like last-minute twists. <laughs> um, so I think it had a lot of the elements. Overall, for me, I don't know. The the ultimate heart of the movie just didn't, didn't work for me. I mean, because despite this very simplistic plot, right, this movie is really about a duel between two men to decide whether a woman is telling the truth about her rape. They don't believe her, so they're letting the violence and God's will decide what the truth is. And 
it's so hard for me, and I know this is a flaw in some ways as somebody who talks about movies, but it's so hard for me not to put that into like the modern day perspective, into what it would feel like if I were that character. And so that kind of limits me from just like completely giving myself into this movie. Yeah, I think I share a lot of the same perspectives with both of you. If I had to summarize it, I would say I think this is a really good movie, but I still don't know how I feel about it. And to your point, Malika, about kind of taking a modern lens to what's obviously a story set in 14th century medieval France and based off of true events, I can't help but think about the context in which a movie is released. And especially with this movie, it's actually been in production for a little while and it was up in the air of when it was going to be released partially because of the Fox-Disney merger and what was happening with 20th Century Studios. So it, it's it's very interesting to me that they chose now to release it for a few different reasons. A, we're still in a pandemic and we're not fully out of that. So the movie-going experience has taken a hit and the audiences are probably less likely than ever to see a kind of methodical character drama that's a period piece compared to maybe like an MCU or some other franchise IP. And then secondly... The marketing for this film was all over the place. And we talked about like the expectation setting of what we thought we were going to get into. And, and even the letterbox summary, to a certain extent, kind of goes along with that of the duels, what's being emphasized, the male characters are being emphasized. And obviously, it makes sense to take your biggest stars and put them front and center and say, hey, it's a really Scott joint. Matt and Ben are reuniting for the first time in almost 20 something years. And yada 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 but ultimately what you what you get out of the movie it's it's a very contemplative character study about people and how we view ourselves and how we view each other and how we treat one another and the dynamics between men and women and that does not come across at all in any of the marketing that i've seen so i wonder if there's just because of that expectation setting potentially possibly being off between what was presented and and what you actually get people just have a hard time understanding what this movie was about and that for me is the reason why I didn't love this three chapter different perspective storytelling mechanism for this movie because I agree with you the the meat of the story was about the relationships it was about different perspectives about what happened but the real interesting part of the movie was how they interacted and how they saw each other rather than how they saw mm -hmm. the events unfold if that makes sense um yeah. it's about two guys who were best friends and felt betrayed by one another and it's about this woman who was raped and doesn't feel like anyone believes her and she's fighting for her life just to be heard about what happened to her like that's the really interesting stuff and there was a lot more meat on the bone with the perspective of matt damon's mother in the movie and her experience with rape that they touched on just very briefly that I feel like there was so much more there about their not only experience with what happened, but their relationship to each other and how it shaped how they viewed it. And because of the three chapter structure of the story, each of their story was kind of exposition. It w and that's part of why I think Marguerite's was the most compelling of the three chapters not only because she was obviously the subject of the rape but because they had already done all of the exposition when it got to her so they right, could really right. focus on her feeling throughout jean's chapter of the story it was hard for me the first 20 minutes to even really get a grip on what is happening because it was just event after event after event after event 
setting up yeah. why they knew each other, why they were friends, why they were comrades, and why he felt betrayed. But you didn't really see that personal connection between them. You just saw all these events, boom, one after another, and we didn't get into the meat of their relationship. Yeah, that's a really good point, Will, especially because if you think about, you know, the titles cards that you see kind of denoting what's going to happen, I believe the movie starts in about 1360. So, and then by the time the film ends, I think it's 1376. So a lot of time actually passes from the initial battle where you see Jean and Jacques, you know, Matt Damon and Adam Driver's characters at war together and it's supposed to depict how their friendship got solidified and forged before everything kind of fell apart. But we don't get to spend enough time with them having the good part of their relationship to really feel the impact of the betrayal that, and, and all of mm-hmm. the bad feelings that come later. So I do feel like that was that was a victim of that three-chapter three chapter structure and that we knew we had to get to a certain point. We had only so much time to tell each person's perspective that – Certain things were just lost in the shuffle and we didn't get, get as much time with, with um, certain scenes or certain events playing out that maybe we would have wanted to to get a more yeah. holistic view of who these people were. And, and it makes me wonder, especially because this movie is being marketed on the fact that Ben Affleck and Matt Damon co-wrote this with um, Nicole Hall of Center. Was that something they intentionally wanted to ahead of time? Is that something they took from the books? I'm not sure. I've never read the book this is based off of. So, I mean, anytime you pick a framing device like this, whether it's flashback and all these other things, you're, you're putting constraints on your storytelling. And that's going to be true no matter what way you decide to tell a story. And I just, I'm not entirely sure if choosing this particular framing device had more pros than cons, because I feel like there's still a lot of things that we were missing at the end of it. That's interesting, because I think for me, this framework kept me interested in the movie I think that if it had been more linear I would have been bored frankly and like right at the point where I was like okay how long is this movie Matt Damon's part is still going it switched over to Adam Driver and then okay it was kind of like off to the races then Adam Driver's section goes a lot faster Jodie Comer's because we've already have so much like set up for us in the longer part um, with Jean and, and, and Matt Damon's part. So that did not bother me at all. I think for me, what I struggled with is, and we touched on this a bit earlier, is the parts that they chose to repeat, the scenes that they chose to repeat in sex chapter two and chapter three with Adam Driver um, and Jodie Comer's sections. Because then they're like, okay, these are the really important scenes because we're showing it to you for a second, possibly a third time. And... Sometimes it was important. There was just little nuances. You know, there's one scene where Jodie Comer looks like she's taking off her shoes versus like losing them as she flees. Like that is a really important nuance in the context of this story. Or, you know, a certain look can be received as flirty versus fear versus confusion, right? There's different perspectives depending on who's viewing it. Or the memory of a a statement like, oh, we're we're reuniting in friendship. Like who says it? In you know, that's said by a different character in each of the chapters. So things like that I thought were really interesting and like easy to pick up on. And some of the there's probably more of these that, you know, just went over your head because you can't just be like oh, every little clue. You don't have time to like rewatch this movie and slow things down. Because it's not a mystery. There's no reason to. So there was definitely things that worked for me, but one of the scenes that did not work is 
they showed the rape scene twice, and I don't know if that was necessarily needed because it, you didn't get a new perspective. Maybe slightly different, like, body positioning. You know, one version, you're probably looking up at Adam Drive, or another one, you're looking down, or something like that, potentially. But I don't even remember it being that drastically different. I don't know if you guys do. It kind of was like, oh, you are making us watch this again without really giving us more information or additional insights to what the truth is. Because we're supposed to be figuring that out as an audience, right? You're framing each of these chapters as the truth according to Jean, the truth according to Jacques, the truth according to Marguerite, right? But like, that was like, there was no other side. It was the truth. We saw it the same both times. What do you guys think? So that's the exact reason for me why I don't think this three chapter structure works is because, so this is taken from Akira Kurosawa Rashomon is the movie. It's the most famous example of this. Something similar, a crime happened. It's a murder. And then they talk to three people who have three different perspectives on what happens. And then the rest of the movie is kind of the result of the murder. But we don't have a definitive, this is what happened. If you're going to take the time to tell these three different perspectives and then Mm -hmm. take the time to say this one is the truth, it totally nullifies the point of showing the three perspectives because then us as an audience understand, okay, those first two perspectives were wrong. It doesn't matter. So in my mind, you either have to tell one version of the story of just the story, which I think was interesting enough in and of itself to stand on its own, or you have to tell three perspectives of the story, but not really get into which one is the most true and let the audience figure it out and decide for itself. That's where this like structure is the strongest. But when you go in and say, hey, this is the true version of the story, then to me, it's like, well, then why did we spend all this time watching these other perspectives? Yeah, you spend more of the runtime on the untrue versions of the story. I mean, I, I could see from both your perspectives. I agree with you, Malika, in that I think the three-chapter structure and the reflections on the same set of events actually made the movie a lot more interesting. But I also agree with you, Will, in that we spend more time with the least likable characters and the characters mm-hmm. who we ultimately find out are in the wrong. And I'm like, I felt like you just cheapens like Marguerite. Like I wanted to spend more time with her. And the, the time that we did get to spend with her, I really enjoyed. And I liked seeing her personality come through because it, it felt like she didn't have much of a personality in neither Jean nor Jack's perspective. So I think from that point of view, that's where my my issues with the structure come into play, but yeah. I do agree that it did make it a lot more interesting. And I, and I want to point out one thing as well. Like, even if we do get ultimately like this one version is the closest to the truth or whatever it might be. I think the whole point of having these different narratives and everyone, you know, feels like they are the main character in their own story. Right. Like I think there's like a term in psychology of like main character syndrome or something like that, where everybody views events playing out through the lens of I'm the protagonist and the things that are happening to me are the results of things that people are doing to me and not because of my own actions or whatever it might be. So I I kind of like that because I think it's supposed to add a shade of nuance to what we said is a story that could very easily just be recreated in modern time because one issue with sexual assault allegations and Me Too and all these things is that a lot of people think rape is black and white and it's not. And I think if and if there's going to be one takeaway from this movie, I hope it's that for a lot of people of it's very easy to see yourself as the hero and you're actually the villain or you were actually in the wrong and you misread the situation and you did not come across the way you thought you did. So I'm hoping that was 
part of the reason that the story was structured in the way that it was to get people to think like, hey, I have a little bit of sympathy or empathy for this one character, but then once we get to Jodie Comer's perspective, we, we, we find more about how Marguerite interpreted all these situations, we realize like, well, that probably wasn't really how it came across. And maybe it will and maybe it won't. Unfortunately, this movie has been a uh, box office flop. Um, it has not made a lot of money. I think as of uh, today, it's been less than a week since it's released, and it's only made about $6 million in the U.S. and $4 million internationally. And that is supposedly on a $100 million budget. Um, but I think it's meant to be this kind of contemplative uh, story and the type of movie where you see it with somebody and then you talk about it and you hopefully start a conversation maybe on the way to your car after the movie, like Will and I had. Yeah. But I think because audiences are not really flocking to this type of story and people aren't going to see it, a lot of that's just going to be lost and it just kind of feels like, hey, here's a story about this really shitty thing that happens to a woman. Doesn't that suck? And I'm like, yeah, I've, I've heard enough of those stories. It happens all the time. Like, Right, it's still happening, right? It's still happening. To your point, though, I think that if they hadn't shown the rape twice, from Adam Driver's perspective, you didn't see the rape, you just saw a little bit of like the lead up, and then from Marguerite's, you saw the rape, maybe they would have had some nuance, but you saw it twice where it's very clear that it was pretty black and white in this situation. I, I, I get what you mean where like, it can't it doesn't always have to be black and white. There are some scenarios where rape is very black and white, but in like in this movie. And so I think like if they had, let a little bit, uh, you know, you don't know what's going on until you finally see it. I think there would have been a stronger punch to the gut when you see it on screen like that. But I also wanted to add that I think part of the reason that you get more from the two men's perspective is probably because there was more just out there. There was these letters people had written about this duel. There was just a lot more. Everything that was created from Marguerite's perspective was made up. They didn't have very much to build off of. So I think, you know, we can give them a little bit of an excuse for why we got less of Marguerite because there was more to create. And, you know, the rest of the parts were trying to be as historically accurate as possible. But maybe they could have made it slightly more equal between the three parts. I agree with what both of you are saying. And I'm not speaking about, you know, rape or sexual assault in the general here, but in this story, they made it a black and white issue by saying, this is the truth. At least how they approached this three chapter story, they said, it is black and white. This is what happened. If they're going to do this three chapter story, I think you need to leave it a little bit more in the gray in order it for it to be more impactful exactly what you're saying Malika if it is more in the gray until like we get just that one perspective of what happened it to me leads to a more interesting story of like they're dueling it out we don't know exactly what happened we have an idea from these different perspectives and it would have made that final scene when when Jacques is about to get killed and he is saying, I promise you, I did not rape her. This did not happen. Like, we know it did because they told us right. it did. Right, that's, right. That's, we saw the two perspectives. We saw that it happened. It's a black and white issue. If they would have left it more in the shade of gray, then that would have been a more emotional experience watching that happen because you think he really believes mm -hmm. that this wasn't a rape. Like, we really might not know. They spelled it out. This is what it was. This is what yeah. happened. And so it makes it like, okay, yeah, he deserves this. This is what he gets. Yeah. And I think ultimately as well, like whether or not the depiction of the assault is, you know, black and white or has a little bit of nuance to what actually happened. 
we get in the text of the film the line that it actually doesn't matter, right? Because mm-hmm. the rape of a, of a man's wife is not about the woman. It's about the betrayal and it's about the right. the property damage, if you will, from one man to another. And it really just goes into the whole sense of like ego that is pervasive throughout the film. And it makes sense. So if you think about the setting, even outside of the dynamics between, you know, Jean and Marguerite and the fact that he's a nobleman and she's his wife, we are in a medieval times in Europe. There are very clear socioeconomic lines. And we right. even see that for the protagonist, right? Like Matt Damon is a nobleman, but he's still lesser than Pierre, who's played by Ben Affleck, who's lesser than King Charles VI, right? So there's there's inherently all these different power dynamics and all these different social structures that are being butted up against throughout the course of the movie. And Marguerite's rape is literally considered like the least important out of all of the different frictions that develop. And it yeah. really just goes to show you that the fact that we even have this story is because these men wrote letters about it. Like think yeah. about how egocentric that is that this event that is presumably life-changing to this woman enough that she's willing to speak up with the knowledge that something could happen to her and that no one's probably going to believe her. She's willing to do all these things. And we're getting mostly the perspective of these men and how it affects them. Yeah. Like that's crazy. Like her bravery was not enough celebrated. Like she, this was such an incredible thing derided, for a woman to do. Right? right. Like Jean's mother tells her you're making everything worse by daring to speak up about this. But even if the characters don't appreciate it, I feel like the filmmakers could have done something to make that really clear. Like this woman is defying her society to speak the truth. And to your point, I don't think this movie knew what it was trying to be. Is it a movie about a duel with two guys trying to get out their feelings here, their hatred for each other? Was it about a woman's rape? Or was it about the nuances of truth? Like, what is truth? And I think they try to stuff all three of those in here. And I think, to me, that is why this movie ultimately didn't work. It didn't pick a lane, and it just, like, shifted between all three in a way that just didn't work for me. Well, I think a great movie is able to tow the line of multiple themes like that but still make it cohesive this movie just to your point didn't make it that cohesive and to me i think the theme of ego is really interesting with this movie because to some degree they're all egotistical with jean matt damon's character he has this ego of he's this noble man fighting a noble cause for his country he's doing everything right yet he's not getting what he deserves because every step of the way, he's fighting for his king, he's fighting for God, and he's just getting the shaft. Where everyone else's perspective, he's kind of just an annoying little asshole. <laughs> yes, Whereas yeah. Jacques' perspective, he is this learned, smart, suave, charismatic, good-looking guy that any woman would be lucky to be with him, and all women are there for his taking. But in Marguerite's perspective, she sees him for what he kind of is, which is just an arrogant asshole who thinks he's better than everyone, even though he's really not. He just he thinks he's the shit, but he's not. And to a certain degree, from a certain perspective, you could see how uh, Marguerite has a little bit of an ego herself, certainly from Jean's mom's perspective of saying, why are you the one that gets to go and make a big stink about this? You think you're better than the commoners who have to deal with this every time our men go out to war? You think you're better than me? I went through the same thing and I kept my mouth shut. But 
really she's like the least egotistical of them all because she's willing to put her life on the line to do what she thinks is just. And so I think ego is one of the most yeah. interesting aspects to this story. And not to mention the most egotistical of them all. And he would probably tell you Pierre, <laughs> but yes, but ego is such a interesting part of this story, but you don't really see how it connects between the three characters when it's broken up the way it is. Yeah. Similarly to how ego is in each of their stories, but in different ways, betrayal is in each of their stories in different ways. Jean feels like he's betrayed by Jacques, who was his comrade, his companion, who ended up stealing the land that was, according to him, rightfully his, and basically riding the coattails of Pierre, this noble lord. Whereas Jacques thinks he's betrayed by Marguerite, who he had mm-hmm. this special connection, love connection, he was unspoken love with her, yeah. bond with. And oh, they read the same books. Give oh, me a break. It must yeah. be love. <laughs> And then she turns around and claims rape on him. And Marguerite feels betrayed by Jean because he is her husband and she had this traumatic experience and she expects him to be there for her. But really, he makes it all about himself Mm -hmm. and his property and willing to kill her in order to not feel slighted by Jacques. Yeah, he doesn't tell her that the recourse for his deciding to challenge Jacques to a duel means that if he loses, that she will die. And not just die, in a terrible to, way. but to be tortured and then burned alive. Ugh, yeah, awful, <laughs> awful. While she's like, what, six months pregnant, too? Yeah, she's dealing with forget. this while six months pregnant. So she's dealing with yeah. all of these insane traumatic events while trying to nurture a, a life a life yeah. that she's been desperate she's been desperately wanting a baby for the entirety of their marriage and of course it comes at what you know seems like the worst possible time for her because she doesn't even know she's going to survive long enough to raise her child like yeah. it's so heartbreaking a classic betrayal triangle here yeah one thing too that i thought was especially interesting about and again i don't know if um marguerite becoming pregnant was part of the true events again have not read the book have not looked up kind of what actually happened but i do find it interesting that obviously there's so much emphasis on jean needing a son right because he needs an heir yeah and again it's that that centering a male because at that point in time you needed to have a male heir to to take on your family name and to inherit and do all these things so i find it especially interesting that when marguerite does finally get pregnant and she has has a child it's a boy and then Jean is not around to raise him. He, it says at the end that he dies, went off to the yeah. Crusades and he dies. And I find that really interesting. And I almost wish we'd gotten, even if it was just made up, something at the end about Marguerite raising her son to be better than the man that his father was or you know, something like that. Because I think ultimately like that it would be such a poetic ending to all the shitty things that happened to her and all the men that put her in the situation that she ended up in. I don't know, that's just me. Well, they suggest that Jean is not the father, that it's Jacques, that the events of this coincide with the rape, but because she did not enjoy the rape, and you can only get pregnant when you enjoy sex, which was an interesting thing. Is this movie set in Texas? I did not know this was a a belief from back then, but yes, unless a woman orgasms, she cannot get pregnant. Um, And because she did not enjoy the rape, she could not have then become pregnant by her rapist. That was all in the court scene. And I was like, oh, man, this is so twisted. And they keep asking her, like, do you enjoy sex with your husband? Like, it's just like on every level, this poor woman is just like ripped apart. But she stands so true to her truth. It's it's really admirable. It's not easy. Um, but 
pretty crazy stuff there. <sighs> well, honestly, that kind of takes me to what I thought was pitch perfect about the movie. <laughs> Uh, it's Jodie Comer. Like it's it's yeah. no brainer, right? Like she, I think, was the strongest performance outside of maybe Ben Affleck as Pierre out of the entire main cast. I thought her version of the events. Obviously, we know that it's being positioned as the ultimate truth, but I think her version of the events were, but was also the more realistic, right? Like mm-hmm. she doesn't make herself seem better than she is. Like if anything, she comes across more learned and more vivacious in Jacques' perspective because he sees her that way. But in her perspective, she's a little timid, but she's really smart and she and she knows things and she she decides to run the estate while Jean's away at war and makes it better. And she is resistant to get a new dress because it's like, I don't know if that would be the right thing to do. And then she ultimately does it and she's made to feel badly for it. So like she doesn't even get to be (laughs) the protagonist really in her own version of the story. But like what I think we do get out of it is that we get a really rich portrayal of someone that is resilient because we know that she's in this circumstance because of what the men in her life have decided. Like her father needed her to marry Jean because his name had been ruined. And then Jean needed her estate and her money because he didn't have any. It's kind of insane that she actually holds a lot more power than a lot of the men in the movie, but it's being used to men's advantage. And she has very little to no agency. So I really just enjoyed the fact that while it's under the worst of circumstances, she decides to take the reins, take control of her life. And so much of that is just due to Jodie Comer's performance. I've not seen her in anything. I know she's in Killing Eve and amongst other things, but I think she's a phenomenal actress, at least just based off of this part. And she really is the emotional core of the movie. And without that performance being as strong, a lot of this kind of falls apart. And we talked about like some of those kind of wishy-washy elements of the movie that could have gone one way or the other. And she really is that magnetic core that holds it all together. I feel like we should give both Jodie Comer, whose performance was pitch perfect, but I think we should also give Nicole Hall of Center a lot of credit for all of that incredible character development that she did based on very little, right? As I mentioned earlier, there wasn't a lot to build Marguerite's life and day-to-day off of, and they did such a good job giving us that glimpse into who this woman was and how she, you know, all her actions made sense. There wasn't a moment where, like, why is she doing that? Everything kind of laddered up to that final moment. I agree. Love Jodie Comer in this, and it's the reason why I think her story was the best and why and I'll get into this later, but I think it should have just been just her. You know, the main plot of the movie was because I think even the struggles and takeaways of the other two men's stories were all pretty surface level. Mm-hmm. Obviously there was some deeper emotion around the betrayal and feeling inferior and feeling like you're not getting what you're due, but a lot of it was I'm owed this land and it was taken away from me. I'm owed this captainship and I didn't get to get it oh, I'm working my way up to the top. I get everything I deserve. Women love me. I should be able to whatever. But hers seemed much more nuanced in what her struggles and tribulations really were. They were about how this action against her affects her life, how it changes the relationships of people around her, even though they weren't involved in what happened, but it changes her entire worldview. It changes how people see her. It changes how she has to deal with the rest of the world, where Jean and Jacques was very surface level about how it affected them. So I agree. She was pitch perfect. She was great. Shout out both those <laughs> people. 
All right, Malika, I know this is not the most upbeat of films, so if you do not have a fun fact, what is your perhaps not fun fact I feel about like this movie? I feel like consistently most of my facts have not been quite so fun. So from here on out, I'm no longer having fun facts. They're just going to be things I read slash just facts. But very for this <laughs> I was going to be like uh, very uh, succinct of a, of a category title. Yeah, I know. It's like half of half of our pod is just me reading out the title of my, of my <laughs> section here. But for this one, this is a little dark, but for a dark movie, it makes sense. Um, I was reading in the LA Times that the rape itself was actually much, much, much worse in real life, which is an interesting thing to read because normally you read in movies like to dramatize things, there's extra flair because it needs to be visually, you know, it, not enticing. Like evocative, yeah. Thank you, that's the word. It needs to be visually evocative. But in this case, they try, they actually like downplayed it a little bit for the sake of, you know, the he said, she said nuances, which again, I don't think really worked because the way they played it out, but I can see what they were trying to do. So in real life, whew, um, just way, way worse. Yeah. Well, on that note about horrific things we've learned about this movie and perhaps things we'd want to change, Will, do you have a candidate for something that you would change about this movie to make it a little tighter, to make it more cohesive, just to make it a little bit more entertaining? Yeah, I've been pretty heavy-handed with this throughout the whole movie, but I think it would have been so much stronger if it was just one story and you could focus more on the interpersonal relationships between the three people because that's what's interesting about it even the differences between the three versions of this story while they are differences they're not big enough of differences to me to really make each perspective stand out on its own and be like we said when clay and i saw it from Jacques' perspective, we were like, so he raped her. Like, it wasn't even a question when we saw that version. So they weren't different enough to me to warrant this three-chapter storytelling device. So I think if they just did one cohesive movie, you could have strengthened. And I even think the movie is in there. Like, they wouldn't have to add or change anything. It's literally just an editing thing. You could just take right. the different pieces of each story and edit it together to one single story, and I think it would have been stronger. But if... The Rainer Cut? The Rainer Cut. <laughs> release the Rainer Cut. Sponsor us, Letterbox. <sighs> we can release the Rainer Cut of The Last Duel. Sponsor us, Ridley Scott. Um I would love for Ridley Scott to sponsor us. He has so many movies coming out. Like he probably wouldn't even notice that he's giving us money. But and we'll even, only do his movies. I'm I'm in. Sorry, well go. Sorry. And even <laughs> a one simpler change I think that could have been made to make it better would be if you put Jacques' version first instead of second. Because we already get the feeling he's an asshole. So we don't have that much sympathy from him when we see Jean's version. And Jean the entire time comes off as just kind of a whiny not interesting person who he's the like i'm gonna take my ball and go home guy exactly like, that's, that's basically you. him like as soon as something doesn't go his way he just like flies off the handle right so it was off to a bad start it was so much exposition in his story he's not interesting or likable so at least starting it off with you know even though Jacques is obviously a terrible guy he's at least like interesting he's interesting to see his relationship with pierre and them living this extravagant lifestyle and setting the groundwork for Jean being terrible and then seeing his perspective of his life. I just think it would have been stronger with Jacques' story first. 
long story yeah, short. That's interesting. Huh. I do find that interesting, just like the idea of, like you said, not necessarily filming new scenes or anything like that, but maybe re-editing what's existing. I do like the idea of potentially just, you know, slotting in Jock's chapter first. Um, one other thing I think we had both talked about also to make it a little bit stronger could have been to, if you're going to put Jacques chapter first or keep it where it is, to actually don't show the rape right from his perspective, maybe the moments leading up right to it. Right. And then we see only it from Marguerite's perspective. So I think that could have helped it be a lot more uh, effective as well. But I think another thing they might have been able to do while maintaining the existing three chapter structure and keeping everything in the same order, and maybe it's a little cheesy, but like interspersing each chapter with build up to the duel. So we we start the movie with John and Jacques preparing to mount their horses. They're going to do the joust. Like it's like in a very intense first few minutes of the movie because you see these guys preparing for battle. And I guess the idea is like this is how we got here, kind of thing, right? To to start us off. What I think could have been really cool is if we'd gotten a little bit of the build up post the trial, but up to the duel between each chapter so that the stakes are kind of building as we see more of what actually happened. So we see, you know, them preparing to like mount their horses and everyone's kind of, you know, tense and, and anxious to start. And then we see Matt Damon's chapter. And then we see, uh, I don't know, something else that happened in the movie, like another part of the duel some of the exchanges of the people in the crowd. And then we see uh, Jacques' perspective. And I think getting closer to the actual duel as a buildup to finding out what really happened could make it just like a little bit more like gripping without necessarily having to reorder the movie or anything like that. I mean, that's just my suggestion. Yeah. So my suggestion is actually not possible in the Rainer cut or the, Ridley Scott cut is blow up the whole thing. Give me three different perspectives from three different women. Maybe it's like the mom Ooh. from Jacques' <gasps> perspective. It's Marguerite. Yo, and maybe Monica. it's like the queen, the queen or Ben Affleck's wife or somebody else. You had all these women in there who kind of had these looks who, you know, you knew they had more thoughts and they were allowed to, oh to my be, God. to, to provide on screen. So I think that that would have been a really interesting perspective because a lot of times we get the story of women through the lens of, of men. So it had been really interesting to see the story of a duel through the lens of the women who love them, who have to deal with them, who raise them. Like your version's way better. Yeah, we should just say that. Like the first That's section should have been should have been Jean's mother because mm -hmm. obviously she would have as much exposure to him as anyone as he is, you know, coming up and then his father dying and losing his estate to Jacques and all that stuff. So yeah, like getting the perspective of like Jean's mother as he's sort of navigating, you know, the noble machinations and then getting maybe Pierre's wife's yep. character in the second part, because obviously Pierre and Jacques spend a lot of time together, you know, philandering and all that fun stuff. And we get the impression that Pierre's wife absolutely knows exactly oh, what's going yeah, 100%. on. So I, I actually really wanted to get a scene with her talking because I felt like just in the couple of scenes where she we see her stuff. face, yeah. I was like, her face was super interesting. I was like, what's going on there? So like if we had been getting glimpses of Pierre and Jacques and their relationship, and, and everything that Jacques was doing through her perspective, that would have been really cool. And then you could have just kept the last one as Marguerite. It's like, yeah, Done. that's a way better construction. Like, let's just do that instead. I like wow. it. Damn. Y'all <laughs> fucked up. Ben, Too bad Matt, I'm not what in is, Hollywood. <laughs> Someone get this woman in Hollywood. Beep, beep, beep. Hello, And you said that about Will last time. Every episode, one of us. I'm very charitable. <laughs> <laughs> you too, Clay. We'll all go to Hollywood together. 
Okay, so we have to talk about our JB Smooth Award. For those of you that don't know, our JB Smooth Award is something we started in our very first episode, Spider-Man Far From Home, where JB Smooth felt like he was in a completely different film, and we we're just like, what is happening here? It felt completely apart with everything else that we were seeing. So we always pick a candidate of like a person, place, or thing that just felt completely out of the movie. And we actually have a few different nominees for this movie. <laughs> uh, so first off, the accents. Okay. Let's set the scene. Yeah. This movie is set in medieval France. Mm -hmm. Some of the actors are American. Some of them are English. Some of them, I think, are French. And yet they all seem to have just picked their accents out of a hat. What's going on with that? Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't good. At least if they had all picked, like, okay, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Adam Driver, all American. If they had stuck to their American accent, Jodie Comer spoke to British accent, like, it would have been weird, but at least you know that's their, like, true accent. But, like, even Jodie Comer, who we did say was pitch perfect, her accent did waver between sort of American, sort of British. She didn't know what she was doing. Matt Damon didn't know what he was doing. It was rough. It was. It actually took me out of the movie at times. They're like, "What are they saying?" Because on top of that, you had extras singing in French. They should just had them singing in English. Like you now, you're mixing languages, and you're reminding me that this is in France, and nobody has a French accent. My favorite bit is like Matt Damon saying like French place names with like the most try hard French accent like Jean de Cruz, like yeah. he's saying his whole name. And I'm like, but every other time he just sounds like he from, he's from Southie in Boston. And I'm like, what <laughs> is yeah. happening here? Yeah, my, not good. My nominee for the JB Smooth Award is one thing, and it is <laughs> Matt Damon's mullet. I didn't know Oof, mullets yeah. were a hairstyle in the Dark Ages, Renaissance, whatever you want. What, I don't, what time period is this? Renaissance? We'll call it Renaissance. Like, technically, Yeah. Midi, yeah, right. whatever. This time period, I didn't know mullets existed. I didn't realize he was a lax bro. But I hate to break it to you. It is probably the least JB Smooth thing because it was historically accurate. Ah. So it did belong in this movie. I'm so sorry, William weird. Rainer. It looked weird. I'm so sorry. Maybe it was a terrible wig. I'll give it to the wig makers for not making it as suave as it, it probably could have been can but it make was a, uh, a historically accurate look suave really <laughs> truly maybe billy ray cyrus that's about it <laughs> apparently mullets are making a comeback i've seen a lot between my trips to denver and montana so that, that sounds right matt damon just wanted to have the newest hairdo <laughs> oh my god newest slash oldest yeah. All right, well, we have to pick one winner. So is it the mullet or is it the accent? accent. It's it has the to accent. be the accent. Yeah. Like, to your point, Malika, at points it was distracting because you had people in the scenes together. One has a French accent, one kind of sounds English, and the other one's Matt Damon. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not good. But I'm really excited about our Wink Award. So our, our second uh movie-inspired category, the Wink Award, is from Cruella, and it's given to the best side character, sidekick, you know, secondary element of the movie that we thought kind of stole the show. Uh, so who wants to present us with this movie's Wink Award? I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. <laughs> I came out of this movie, and I looked at my brother, and I was like, wow, Ben Affleck was really good. And that's, it's, I know he's a good actor, but it's been a long time since I've said that. And I was like, okay. And it's so funny because like, I don't think he was supposed to steal the show. He was just supposed to be a character in the background, like the buddy of Jacques, somebody, a confidant, somebody to create some like comedy. But 
damn, he was really good. And he his accent was totally fine. It didn't bother me because he was just was funny and charming and excellent work as Pierre. So something I loved about Pierre in this movie is we talked about how you talked about main character syndrome and how everyone thinks mm-hmm, they're the mm-hmm. protagonist and everyone else is the asshole in the story. And of all the assholes, I think Pierre is the only one that would be the asshole of his own story. He would <laughs> tell you, he's like, yeah, I'm a dick. Sorry. I do what I want and I don't really give a fuck. And I really appreciated that about his character. Yeah. You know, he's just I agree. total debauchery, totally Machiavellian, just, I'm doing my own thing. I'm living my life and I don't really give a fuck right. who like, has anything to say about it. Yeah. And loves yeah. it. Yeah. It's like he pulls the my cousin is the king card like <laughs> two different times. He's like, he knows what kind of asshole he is and he's okay with it. He's like, but he, plays it, he pulls it with such confidence. It's not like an insecure, like, but but my cousin is, the, he's like, ah, shut up. My cousin's the king. I can do what he's I like, want. He's like, my cousin the king, that guy, you're going to yeah, try to like, appeal to him. Good luck, idiot. He basically exactly. says to Jacques, like, well, if you did it, my cousin's the king, so it, I don't really give yeah. a fuck. We could just sweep this under the rug. And but he also like you know displayed loyalty in that moment too. He could have been like, "Well, you've been tainted now. Like, leave me. I will replace you with somebody better." But he's like, "Okay, you're my buddy. I'll take care of you." Yeah, but it was also from a selfish point of view from him because he's like, "I like you, and I want to keep you around, so I'm gonna do whatever." <laughs> I like to have orgies with you, so please <laughs> stay alive. Take your Did pants off. Did not know that medieval France was that horny, but hey, why not? So. Let's rate this movie. Uh, we've talked a lot about what worked, what didn't work. How would y'all rate The Last Duel? I'll go first. Even though I've said a lot of things that made it sound like I didn't like it, I really liked this. I liked it more than I think maybe any movie we've done in like a year. Uh, Whoa. Seriously. I I would give huh. this a 3.99 to maybe like a 4.1. Matt Damon mullets. Wow. I'm going to give this guy two out of five low V-neck dresses. Wow. This might be the most uh, disparate range of ratings we've had. Since Mortal Kombat. (laughs) No, I feel like even that one was a little (laughs) bit closer. Um, I would give this, I'm somewhere in the middle of you two. So I would give this movie a 3.14. Five out of five gold slippers of uh, Pierre's gold slippers. Mm. I, I definitely, I was entertained in the moment. I, I think a lot of things worked. The things that didn't work for me are exactly what I said that detracted from this, right? Like I felt like the repetition of some of the elements of the story was time that could have been used elsewhere. I felt we didn't have time with Marguerite, but I think her performance and that last third of the movie saves it for me in, in a way that I was a little lukewarm on it up till that point. But it really won me over in the end. So I would say, yeah, 3.15, it's like better than good, but not quite great for me. I think my score is really harsh, but I think it's because all of these people should have done better. Like there's there's so much star power in this movie. They're all seasoned actors, directors, writers. They should have known better. And I think that's why I'm probably rating it a lot more harshly than like some shitty, you know, low budget film. See, for me, I think that this movie had a 4.95 <laughs> in it. Potential, it was, yeah. It was there, it the but just the yeah. way it was put together, 
agree with you. Yeah. And I think that that's why, because of that, I'm harsher on it because it's like you had everything there. Yeah. You just didn't get it, get us there. And so the the disappointment is definitely knocking up an extra point there. I think when it was good, it was really, really good. Hmm. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a, you know, subjective kind of no. tale. <laughs> no, not, we no, must no, all agree. Is law. Well, I'm glad. <laughs> we need like the truth according to Will Rayner, the truth according to Malika. And then we're going to end this podcast with the truth according to Clasia, and it's that I have my scores in the middle, and therefore I'm the most right. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, any final thoughts before we say goodbye? One small final thought was uh, the actual duel, just like the fight choreography, was awesome. It was sick. It was really good. Was yeah, I will so give them that. Good. It's really it brought me back to Gladiator. I, I, while I did not cry, I definitely watched the fight scenes through my hands. I'm not even kidding. I was like, oh boy. Like, it was so gory, but that's because it felt so realistic. You felt like you were in the action. Yeah, I mean, so the, the camera was, was pretty down fantastic. Low, like, to the so action. Low, so low, like, oh my in God. their faces. So I did appreciate that, even though it was hard for me to watch. And just Pierre's face of disappointment when Jacques got got. Oh, <laughs> nice to ugh. see. In such a gory way, too. Oof. Incredible. Bloody. Well, I think that's it for The Last Duel, a very interesting movie film that we all had a lot to say things about. So hopefully you join us for next time. This has been The Cynical Podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at CynicalPod, and you can follow our producer slash engineer at AK.audio on Instagram. Till next time. Sponsor us, Alamo Draft House and Ridley Scott. Take Sponsor us, Ridley Scott. Woo! Take off your pants. <laughs>